All right, you may be seated. Turned on. Testing, there we go. Get this out of the way. Oh my. There we go. Good morning to everybody. I want you to do something for me real quick. As you sit there by your spouse or a kid or brother or sister in the Lord, friend, I just want you to, to look over and just tell them that you love them and you appreciate them. You know what? What Pastor Doug shared with us this morning for the Feitner family, a lot changed for them this week. And it's a... Uh, it's a devastating loss, and it's so easy for us to take our days for granted, isn't it? We're not promised tomorrow. So I hope you understand this morning, just even being here, it's a gift of God's grace that we can gather this morning as a, a church family. So let's turn to God's Word, Mark chapter 8. Verses 11 through 21 is what we'll be looking at this morning. We continue our series of the gospel of our servant Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The message today is entitled, Should We Seek After a Sign? Should We Seek After a Sign? I want you to think, really think about that question this morning. Should we, as Christians, be seeking after signs from the Lord? I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler alert on the front end. The answer is, and you're correct, Allie, no. We should not be seeking after signs from the Lord. My aim this morning, my goal, is that you will see from this passage in Mark chapter 8 that Jesus would not have us to seek after signs, but that we would seek after him. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. And when you think about 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4, you don't have to turn there, but God's Word, the revelation of God, God has spoken everything Pastor Jim was talking about with Bible translation, God's Word is sufficient for everything that pertains to life and godliness. God has spoken. God has revealed himself. And there is nothing more powerful than the word of God. So let's read Mark chapter 8, verses 11 through 21, and then we'll pray. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. 
Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, he said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Let's pray together. Father God, we are completely dependent upon you. I'm surely, surely not worthy this morning to be standing before you, God. It's only by your grace. It's only by your mercy. God, I want to personally just say thank you for saving me, for forgiving me of my sin, and Lord, that you've given me ears to ears to hear and eyes to see the truth of your scripture and God I desperately need it and and father we as your people desperately need your word this morning so may we trust in you may we obey you and father for any this morning that still haven't yet seen or haven't heard that today would be the day of salvation that God you would grant a new heart that they would look to Christ with the eyes of faith so father be glorified lead us through this passage and it's in the name of Christ that we pray amen so let's review just real quick the context of verses 1 through 10 which we looked at the last time as I preached uh, in this particular chapter Jesus had fed 4,000. It wasn't just any 4,000. It was 4,000 Gentiles. And so he fed uh, the multitudes of the Jews a few chapters before, the 5,000 men and then all the women and children. And then we come to uh, Mark chapter 8 and we see him feeding uh, these Gentiles. And so Jesus has been showing himself to be the bread of life. And when you look at verse 10... It says immediately he got into the boat after he had fed the 4,000 with his disciples and he went to the district of Dalmanutha, which was also known as Magnala. And you may wonder, all right, well, why is that significant? Well, he had been in a Gentile region there on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. He travels by boat back to more of a Jewish region on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. And so the heart of Christ as we've talked about many times before, was for all people, every tribe, tongue, and nation, for Jew and Gentile alike. And so now we come to verse 11. Jesus arrives in this new place, and sure enough, who shows up? Well, it's the Pharisees. It says there in verse 11, the Pharisees came, and they began to argue with him. You guys remember the Pharisees, this group of Jewish religious leaders? Uh, they hated Christ. They, they saw him as a threat to their position of their authority. And it seems like in every interaction that they have with Jesus, 
They're trying to argue with him. They're trying to harass him. They're trying to prove him wrong. And in Matthew 16, you don't have to turn there. Not only was it the Pharisees, but the Sadducees were there. And that was the more liberal uh, Jewish religious group. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. But one thing that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had in common, they did not like Jesus. And they were trying to lead people away from Christ. They were constantly trying to prove that Jesus was not who he said he was. He wasn't the Son of God. He wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't the Savior. He wasn't the Lord. By the way, do we not have so many groups in our culture, in our time, that try to tell us every single day that Jesus Christ is not who he says he is? Who will we believe? Will we believe the Word of God and the truth? That God's word says, or will we believe the philosophies and man's teachings that we see among us each and every day? And so these Pharisees, they're not coming to welcome Jesus back. Look at the text. They're coming to argue with him. Now, as I studied that in the Greek, it's not just a friendly argument that maybe they would see the side of Jesus and have a discussion together. No, it actually means to express forceful differences of opinion without having the goal of reconciliation. The heart of the Pharisees was this. Jesus, you're wrong. We're right. And you're either going to see it our way or you're going to come underneath our power, our authority, or it's the highway for you, Jesus, so to speak. We're the ones that are right, and you're not. I mean, I want you to think about that. Who are we, who are we as people, as man, to tell Jesus that he's right or he's wrong? That's not how it works. Now, it goes on to say that they were seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Now, that word seeking could also be translated demanding. Again, this wasn't a friendly interaction. Hey, Jesus, just show us a sign and we'll follow you. It's more of, no, Jesus, we're telling you, we're demanding you. You're going to give us a sign the way that we say. And if you can't do that, then you're not who you really say that you are. You're not truly the son of God. Now, that word sign, it was a specific kind of miracle. It was an event from the heavens. In Jewish tradition, and Jewish thought, they had this belief or teaching that earthly signs or miracles could be done by God or could be done by the devil. But something from the heavens, like when God uh, brought fire down whenever Elijah, Mount Carmel, and Elijah cries out to God to bring fire down from the heavens to wipe out the, the offering there so that all the prophets of Baal would see who the one true God was. So when there was something from the heavens, then that was truly from God. But these earthly things could be from the devil. Because I want you to really think about that. As we've journeyed through the gospel of Mark, we've seen Jesus cast out demons. We've seen Jesus calm the sea, the wind, storms. We've seen Jesus heal the man with a withered hand. We've seen him open blind eyes. We've seen him raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. I mean, 
honestly, what more could Jesus do to show he really was the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God? But the Pharisees, their hearts were so hard. Their hearts were so rebellious. Their hearts were so wicked. It really didn't matter what Jesus did. They were not going to believe. And if you remember from Mark chapter 3, they even went as far to say, Jesus, you are of the devil. You're casting out demons through the power of demons. Jesus, you're crazy. And by the way, does our world not say similar things about Christians today? Pastor Eric, you're crazy. Why would you believe that? Why would you believe some old book that was written over 2,000 years ago? Are you crazy? Why don't you believe the experts? That word gets used all the time if you study the news. What do the experts say? Well, I want you to think about that this morning. Who really is the expert? Is it the Lord God Almighty? Or is it me? Or some human philosopher? Well, we know the answer. It's the Lord God Almighty. Think about this too. We don't have time to go back there, but in Mark chapter 1, had there not already been signs from heaven too? Remember when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist? Do you remember the voice that came from the heavens? God the Father saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Was that not a sign from the heavens? Do you remember that it also said that the heavens were torn open and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove? Guys, there had already been signs from heaven and there had already been miraculous works that Jesus had done. The Pharisees had absolutely no desire to follow Jesus. This was all about testing him, manipulating him, for them to prove that Jesus was a fraud. And I'm just telling you, application for today, our world tries to do the same thing every single day. Jesus is a fraud. Christianity is a fraud. There's skeptics everywhere. And you're going to have to wrestle through in your heart. Are you going to believe the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you going to believe the teachings of this world? Guys, Jesus doesn't play by our rules. He sets the rules. We don't call the shots. Jesus calls the shots. We don't tell Jesus to do this or do that. Jesus tells us how we are to live. And by his grace, we submit to him and we live according to the truth of his word. And by the way, for those of us that are in the faith, you know this. There's no greater joy than just living by faith in Jesus. I was telling some folks this week, when we think about marriage and we just think about life, I mean, who knows best of how our marriages are to be, how our lives are to be. It's the Lord God Almighty. Why would we not submit to the truth and the sufficiency of his word? Well, let's look at the response of Jesus to their hard-heartedness. Look at verse 12, back in the text. It says that Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit, in his inner being, in his inner man. That, that phrase, he sighed deeply, it means he was groaning intensely. 
there was an immense sadness that Jesus had for these folks that were so hard-hearted. I want you to think about it. Think about that context. They had God in the flesh right there before them. They had seen all these things. He had taught them the word with authority. And they said, no, no, no. We're not going to listen. Christ to you. Jesus was being rejected. And we'll get to the end of the gospel. We know ultimately what do they do? They treat him like a common criminal. They beat him. They spit on him. They mock him. They slap him. And they nail him to a cross. Sad. Jesus is immensely sad over their condition and their response. But before we're too hard on the Pharisees, apart from God's grace, our hearts are the same. Turn to Luke 24, 27. Luke 24, 27. You may say, well, we don't have Jesus right here walking with us. We have something even greater. Luke 24, 27. Pastor Doug, I'm indebted to you, man. You walked through this in our London Baptist confession study. And I don't know, man, that was a few weeks back, but it just keeps resonating in my heart. Luke 24, 27, context. Uh, this is after the resurrection of Jesus, uh, the road to Emmaus. There's a couple of disciples. They're having a conversation. Jesus is beginning to reveal to him who he is and all about Scripture. And look at what he says in Luke 24, 27. This, this is one of those just mind-blowing passages. And, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets. So, I mean, you think about the Old Testament. He interpreted to them. So, Jesus is interpreting to these disciples in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He's letting them know the Bible, Old and New Testament, is all about me. And if you'll read the Bible, if you'll study the Bible, you're going to see who I am. I mean, that's awesome. Pastor Jim, we have the Bible in our heart language. Every single morning, afternoon, evening. You can open up the words of life. You can get to know the Lord God Almighty, the Creator, the one who made you and loves you and gave Himself for you. You can pull out a cell phone and you can pull up the Bible. We're so blessed. But think about your own heart. Think about your own life. How much do you treasure God's Word? That's what I'm telling you. Yes, they had Jesus walking amongst them, which was amazing. But we have the Spirit of God and the Word of God, the complete revelation of God, all 66 books right here before us, which ultimately is revealing to us who Christ is. The whole Bible is about Jesus. So now look, go back to Mark chapter 8. They're looking for this sign. Look at the text there. He sighs deeply in his spirit. Why? Jesus asked this question. Why does this generation seek a sign? 
Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Now that question there, why does this generation seek a sign? That word generation, it means the people of that time, the first century. Why are they seeking after this sign when they have Christ right there before them? It goes on to say, no sign will be given to this generation. Why would Jesus say that? He would say that to them because they had everything that they needed right before them. Christ, the way, the truth, the life. By the way, Allie, you were right earlier. We don't need a sign today. You have everything that you need to know Christ, to be forgiven of your sin, to repent. And to trust in Christ alone for salvation. Look with me at Matthew 16, 4. Matthew 16, 4. This is the parallel passage. We don't have time to read the whole thing. But in Matthew 16, 4, there's a little more detail that's given about these signs. Now, there has been a time where God has given signs. I mean, you think about the flood during the time of Noah. I mean, that was a sign of God's power and his glory. You think about Elijah, as I referenced earlier, calling down fire from heaven. Uh, it's not that God can't do that. I mean, God can do whatever he pleases, whatever he wants. But now that we have the full revelation of God, the 66 books of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 1, you can look at that as well at some point, tells us he's revealed himself through his son, through Christ. But look at Matthew 16, 4. An evil an adulterous generation seeks for a sign. Think about that. He's telling them, look, if you're going to seek after signs, you're evil. You're wrong. You're adulterous. You're not faithful to me. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want that to be said about us. That we're seeking after a sign when the Lord Jesus is right here before us. And then it goes on to say, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. What does he mean there, the sign of Jonah? Well, Jonah was in the belly of the, the big fish, right? Three days and three nights. And Jesus is referring to his death, burial, and resurrection. He was going to be in the grave for three days. But then three days later, he was going to resurrect. And he's letting them know, yeah, yeah there's actually going to be another sign. It's going to be my resurrection. And you may say, okay, well, that's going to, hey, somebody comes back from the dead. Surely everybody's going to believe when Jesus comes back from the dead. Well, look at Luke chapter 16. Flip over there. Luke 16, 30 and 31. Jesus tells them about the rich man and Lazarus, this poor beggar. And this rich man, he's begging for Lazarus. They're, they're both, uh, they died before the Lord. The rich man is in hell. He's in torment. He's in pain because of his rejection of God. And he's like, look, please send Lazarus. Uh, to my brothers so that they would see someone resurrected and they surely won't come to hell and experience the wrath and judgment of God. But look at verses 30 and 31 in Luke 16. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Guys, if you're not going to believe the truth, authority, sufficiency of power of God's word, 
You wouldn't even believe if someone came from the dead. Because who did come from the dead? Jesus. He's the resurrection and the life. It's right there before us. And so Jesus is telling them, look, you don't need more signs. You need the word of God to grip your heart, the spirit of God to give you a new heart. You need to see your sin for what it is and to turn from your sin and look to Christ and be forgiven and he will set you free. So why are we like this? Pastor Jim, I appreciate you preaching through Romans 5. You want to know why we're like this? What did Pastor Jim teach us? God is holy and we are not. We're sinners before a holy God. We're born in Adam. Adam's the federal head. We're born in sin. We choose to sin. Ephesians 2 says we're dead in our trespasses and sins until Jesus makes us alive. John 8, 32 through 34 tells us we are slaves of sin and only the truth of Jesus can set us free. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers keeping them from seeing the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then Colossians 1, 13 and 14 that Jim read earlier. Jesus must deliver us from the domain of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of light. Guys, apart from Jesus, we're dead in our sin. You can't save yourself. You need God's word to set you free, to bring you to life. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I'm begging with you this morning, pleading, if you're not in Christ, look to Christ. I challenge you this week. You've never done this before. Read the gospel of John and read it seven times and pray for God to open up your eyes, open up your heart, open up your mind to see Christ for who he is, that he's your savior. That God would Convict your heart and give you a new heart through the power of his word. Do that this week. And for those of us that are in the faith, spend time in the word. We're all being sanctified, right? We're all being cleansed. We all still struggle with sin. We constantly need God's word, a steady diet, changing us from the inside out. So here's the takeaway, guys. We're just going to look at those three verses today. We'll finish up the rest next week. We'll go back to Mark chapter 8. Look at verse 13. Verse 13, he said, it says he left them. He got into the boat again and he went to the other side. That's a sad reality. They had the Lord Jesus right there before them. And they rejected him, Pastor Doug. So we don't want you, Jesus. So you know what Jesus did? He left them. He left them. And he went to another place. Go to Romans 1 this week, guys. God's patience is not infinite. God will turn you over to your sin. When you reject the truth, you reject the creator. God will sovereignly turn you over to your sin. You don't want that. So if God is drawing you and God is convicting you, today is the day of salvation.
Don't fall into the trap that you got to have a sign in order to believe. You got everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness and salvation. God is patient, guys. He's kind. He's merciful. He's long suffering. God does desire all to come to repentance. But we know from Scripture God is also holy. He's just. He's wrathful. And He must judge sin. Think about the flood during Noah's time. Every intent of man's heart was on sin, wasn't it? And God sent judgment. He sent the flood. Think about the time of the northern kingdom. Every king did what was right in his own eyes. Every king was evil before the Lord. And so God sent judgment. He sent the Assyrians. And they destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. And then the southern kingdom. Yes, there were some kings that followed after the Lord. But as time went on, Pastor Tom, you preached through Jeremiah. Jeremiah faithfully told them truth. Repent, repent, repent. You're straying from the truth of God's word. You need God. You need God. Turn from your sin. Turn to God. And they laughed at him and they mocked at him and they wouldn't listen to him. And God said, enough. And he destroyed Jerusalem. He wiped it out. It was burnt. And the Babylonians came in and ravished the southern kingdom. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 says, Only Jesus, only Jesus can deliver us from the wrath to come. Only Jesus can deliver you from the wrath to come. Guys, God's judgment is coming. God's wrath is coming. Hell is a real place. And all that reject the Lord Jesus Christ will spend eternity there. But the good news is, for by grace, you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you will simply trust in the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he will save you today. But young people, I want you to listen to me. You may think you're going to wake up tomorrow morning or Tuesday morning. Wednesday morning and this is really for all of us you are not promised tomorrow for the Feitner family everything changed for a young man 17 years old was driving to the place that he needed to go to he's in a car accident and Hebrews 9 27 is true it's appointed for man to die once and after this is the judgment. If you're not right before holy God, you've heard the gospel this morning. You've heard the gospel many mornings. For some of you, you've been here at Everglades for years. You have heard the love and truth of Jesus over and over and over. Please do not turn a deaf ear. Don't have blind eyes this morning to reject the truth, the love of Jesus. He died on a cross to rescue you from your sin. And the only way you'll go to heaven is through Christ alone. Don't believe the lies of this world. Don't look for signs. You don't need anything else. The word of God is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it will save you from your sin. Let's pray together.
Jesus, we thank you for this short little passage of the interaction, Christ, that you had with these Pharisees. It's a sad passage. They had truth right before them. They had life right before them. They had forgiveness right before them. And yet, Jesus, they rejected you. It's hard to comprehend, but God, it's the sinfulness of our hearts. And Lord, the same could be said for us today. My brothers, Pastor Jim, Pastor Doug, have faithfully preached your word from this pulpit, God. Your truth is going, going forth as best we possibly can. We know that your word is powerful, Lord. I pray that nobody underneath the sound of my voice, whether here on this piece of property or listening via technology, would reject the love, the truth, the gospel of Jesus today. Today is the day of salvation. God, I pray that you would bring many dead hearts to life. And then for those of us that are in the faith, God, maybe, maybe we've lost focus of sharing the gospel. Maybe it's been a long time since we shared Christ, God, with someone. Lord, give us opportunities this week to share your truth with a lost and dying world. Give us a passion, a burden for souls. Give us a burden and a desire for your word, and may it change us from the inside out. We love you, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, let's all stand, and we'll worship the Lord together through song. Please sing it again with us. It's called Christ the Sure and Steady Anchor. 